Chapter 3 Mallory's place was a ranch outside of town. It took 20 minutes just to drive the rocky track from Texas Route 117 to the ranch house, a low-slung, single-story classic built out of limestone and wood. The house was set on a wide driveway, with horse stables on one side and a large fenced area for them to run. The fenced area was empty. I figured the horses were inside, protected from the swelling heat. A 1980s Ford Bronco was parked by the side of the house. Mallory was at the door when I swung the car in. She was a slender woman in her thirties. She looked good for someone who was scheduled to die, even with a bald head marked by an L-shaped scar over her left ear. She hugged me hard and quick and said, Great to see you. Here I am. She stood there in the doorway looking at me. Mallory cracked a smile. Tom Keeler, how many times have I saved your ass? Too many to count. These things we do. She shook her head. Can't even save my own ass now. What I heard. Yeah, fuck it. That's life. Looks that way. Some people get torn up about the big changes in life. Like death, babies, careers, relationships and stock market crashes. I don't. And I never have. People come to expect continuity, like everything's going to settle at some point and just stay the same forever. But, as far as I can see, it doesn't work like that. Life and the universe follow no fixed rules whatsoever. Except maybe gravity, in a relative way. You can never really know, and nothing ever stays the same. Nor would anyone want things to stay the same. Not really. Not when you take hopes and aspirations into account. Mallory squinted into the hills. It was already hot out. She stepped back and let me into the house. Since we'd had plenty of time to jaw about this and that on deployment, I had heard about the house. The ranch had been in her family since the days when Texas had been its own republic. The house was built back then. The entrance opened wide into the living room, with low settees and a fireplace. The kitchen was just the other side of a countertop, with bar stools tucked under. Mallory's dad stood up from the counter and came over to greet me. He was a rangy-looking old guy, with a bushy white mustache. I knew about him, too. He'd been with the 101st Airborne in Vietnam, one of the long-range patrol units famous for unusually high body counts. He shook my hand and put a cup of coffee in it. Call me Dave. I said, Tom Keeler. Dave went around to the kitchen and started whipping up eggs with beans and tortillas. I said nothing about my previous breakfast. Mallory excused herself. Dave followed her with his eyes, then swiveled them to me. He said, good of you to come down. Thanks for having me. I'll give you the skinny while Mal's doing what she's doing. He looked over to me. I nodded to him. Okay, so it's terminal. That's the first thing. There's no hope. No way. Tumor is growing, and there's not a damn thing anyone can do about it. That's what I heard. He said, Doctors say it could be a week, could be a day, could be a month, but no way it's going to be more than a month, because that tumor is just squeezing its way into her brain. Is she in pain? Bad headaches, drowsiness, all of it. Medication? 
He said, she won't take the pills unless the headaches get too bad. Then she just takes a couple of aspirin. Tough kid. She's refusing to be hospitalized, too. I said nothing. Dave continued, So we've already been cried out. No tears left anymore. That lake is dry. The only way forward is to accept it. Let it happen. How's she doing, accepting it? She's hanging tough, Keeler. I tell you something. You got to put your mind on a whole new level just to get a handle on that one. Accepting that Mallory's going to be gone and dead, sooner rather than later. I said nothing. She's doing better than me, I'll tell you that. When Mallory came back, she sat down at the counter next to me and put an arm on my shoulder. Freak you out to see me like this? It's what it is. She said, it's death. We've seen it before. A lot of it. Dad, too. Scar looks impressive. She traced the L shape above her ear. They opened up my head with a saw and scooped shit out of my brain. Then they closed my head back up. Amazing. I'm guessing you weren't around for that one. Physically present, mentally AWOL. Dave served up breakfast. We ate without speaking. My second breakfast. I figured something must be right, if my appetite was that good. Dave said, How long you plan on staying, Keeler? No plans, Dave. I'm here to help out if I can. He nodded. Mallory looked at me. Her eyes twinkled. You can help us dig the grave. I'm going to be buried right here on the ranch. Already picked out the spot. I said, where's the spot? She pointed through a set of glass doors to a stand of oaks, just beneath rolling hills, other side of the horse pen, under one of those trees. The oak trees were widely spaced and old. Thick trunks branched off low into powerful boughs. The curves were graceful. I said, that's a hell of a spot. We did not get to talk much more than that, however, because the two of them needed to go to the hospital for brain scans. Not that there was any hope. The results had already come in. Terminal. No doubt about it. Maybe a month, maybe a week, maybe a day. But still, the doctors at the Veteran Affairs Medical Center wanted the extra tests for their statistical records to help them more accurately predict tumor growth and the various complicated biological responses. So Mallory and her dad were okay with getting tested again if it could help out in the future. The VA Medical Center was over in Big Springs, about 200 miles away, a three-hour trip. They figured they would drive up there, get her scanned, eat lunch, and drive back in time for a late supper. Mallory estimated 8 o'clock. Dave did a mental calculation and said, more like 8.15, if the VA people are on schedule. Mallory wrote her mobile phone number on a post-it note and stuck it on the counter. I memorized the number. She said, call me if anything happens. I said, nothing's going to happen. In the meantime, I was welcome to the fridge and the TV. But I don't watch TV much, and I'd just eaten two breakfasts. Plus, after traveling the best part of 24 hours just to get here, and sleeping all cramped up in the car, I felt like stretching my legs and getting some exercise. Which is how I ended up hiking into the Chisos Mountains on the hottest day of the hottest month of the hottest year anyone could remember. <laughs>